Hello, and welcome to the Body and Food Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Preston, trauma-informed mental health social worker, psychotherapist, and nutritionist. I'm the creator of the Body and Food Freedom Project, a women's group focused on helping women make peace with food and their bodies. I know firsthand how dieting, food restriction, and body shame can steal our joy and have us playing small in our own lives. But I also know the freedom and liberation that comes with breaking free from diet culture, making peace with food, and learning to respect our bodies. Follow along as I speak with you and my guests about concepts including shame, self-compassion, intuitive eating, body image healing, and all things trauma, mental health, and therapy. I'm so happy to have you here. Grab a cup of tea and your headphones and let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Body and Food Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Preston. And today I thought I wanted to do sort of a part two episode um, from episode eight. So if you have not listened to that, go back and have a listen and then come back here. Um, episode eight was my interview with Kim Hagel, um, about, uh, just the relationship that many women have with exercise and some ways to start shifting and changing this. And so, yeah, I just wanted to do a bit of a follow-up, um, before we get started, I am coming at you from my makeshift podcast closet (laughs) and it is a work in progress, but I do think it has improved the sound. So I do apologize if those earlier episodes sounded a bit echoey. Um, This is all a learning process. So in terms of following up with the exercise podcast episode, is I think one of the things Kim talked about was that exercise can be a negative thing for our mental health. And I wanted to unpack that a little bit. So it's good for our mental health until it's not, right? So if if we are exercising and it is from a place driven by maybe an eating disorder or it's sort of motivated by guilt or dread or shame or not feeling enough, or if it's really obsessive, right? If we, if our bodies are asking for rest or we are fatigued and we are pushing through uh, to meet some arbitrary number, maybe set by an app um, or whatever program in that context, exercise very well may not be good for our mental health. Whereas in a different context where we're exercising because it truly helps us feel better or manage stress, or it feels like um, a way to nurture our body. And this is an important part. We can be flexible with it. So when it is more beneficial for our mental health, it does come with this flexible, less rigid uh, flavor to it. That might look like one day you're happy to go for that run and you feel like you have the energy. And the next day uh, you might feel a bit run down. You might have a bit of a cold or, um, you know, maybe mentally just not quite 
up for it and you may decide to go on a walk instead, or you may decide to do nothing instead. And so when exercise is beneficial for our mental health, it comes with that flexibility. And so I really encourage you in your own relationship with exercise and with body movement is to take a step back and reflect on what does this particular body movement mean for me? Um, How is it helpful? Are there any ways this is not helpful Is there an element that feels obsessive? Um, Is there an element really tightly linked to weight loss? Um, And really checking in for yourself, what's working and what's not. And I think it's important to point out that this may change over time. A form of body movement or exercise that doesn't work for you now in five years might be something that you really enjoy And so again, it's that flexibility in my own journey with this. um, I had to stop like a certain form of intense exercise and I have not returned to that yet because for me, there was this punitive edge to it um, and it felt like my body felt so stressed out and so fatigued after and it, and I dreaded it before. And so when I really slowed down and I took some breaths in and I tried to listen to what my body was needing, uh, it was really clear to me that that form of intense exercise at that time just wasn't what was needed. Um, and so The other thing I wanted to follow up, which I really appreciated when Kim said this, she said there's a bit of nuance to joyful movement. I think when we say joyful movement that people picture that it's just always going to be this happy, joyful (laughs) uh, event, I guess. And it's a little more complex than that. And so to me, some of it is looking at the context of the exercise, like I just spoke about, where is this coming from? What aspects feel healthy and helpful and what aspects aren't? Um, But it doesn't mean that when we're engaging in movement, we're always going to enjoy every single moment of it. And so I was reflecting on this this weekend um, because my my husband and I are uh, doing this. I mean, I guess this is the first time I've said this publicly. So now I'm I'm putting it out there. <laughs> but we are doing a 100k uh, hike in country Victoria um, in February, and so we're training for that together. Um, we're doing that for an organization um, that runs a school that services families who have children with special needs, uh, specifically autism. And so we are doing this hike to bring awareness to that and raise some money for them. Um, And we both really like hiking. And so I was reflecting on this whole relationship with body movement over the weekend because we went on a pretty decent hike. And I was thinking, you know, 
this this is an activity, the hiking, that could come from a pretty unhealthy place. If I pushed myself to go on a day where I really needed rest, or if I was obsessed with hitting a certain, I don't know, number, or if me going hiking was linked to weight loss and sort of bullying my body uh, to get smaller, then to me, that is not a form of healthy body movement. And I have some work to do to unpack that. But for me, the hiking comes from, um, well, one is I really enjoy being out in nature. So we always see animals and that's one of my favorite parts. Like in Australia, there are such beautiful, colorful birds and they make really unique sounds. Um, so I love watching for the birds. Uh, we always see kangaroos and wallabies. Um, we also see, um, echidnas and they are so cute. Um, and so for, for me, the hiking brings such a sense of joy because it's connecting to nature in that way. It's fresh air. Um, it's away from all the noise of sort of life and, um, just the busyness stops. And so it feels like such a nurturing thing to do for my body and mind. But, and this is where I think the nuance can come in. It's not always enjoyable, Like when we were walking and hiking this weekend, I had a blister on my pinky toe. I had a part of my foot that was hurting. (laughs) Um, And my lower back hurt a little bit. Right. And so here I am doing this activity that in my mind is joyful movement, but there are still moments of pain or discomfort. And so to me, it's really, how do I make space for the pain and discomfort? And one of the things that I'll do, like I did during this hiking on the weekend was to just check in, can I do anything to address the discomfort? Well, yeah, there's actually a lot I could do. I could stop and take a rest. We could have a snack right? Like if I was sort of noticing we haven't eaten for a while, I'm feeling lower on fuel, having a snack, um, or just stopping and stretching or, um, going a little bit slower for a moment or for a little while, there's all these ways that I can adjust and honor my body to do the best I can to address the discomfort or the pain. But I can also mentally make space for it. So I can notice this sensation without creating a layer of psychological suffering, right? Um, Instead of noticing the blisters or the knee pain or the back pain or whatever it was, um, I can just go, okay, that's a sensation. And like I said, check in what's needed. How can I support my body? Uh, without going, I can't do this. This is too hard. What I see a lot of women do when, especially when they're starting to um, re-implement exercise or body movement, they will blame this on their weight. And so they, their thoughts, the way that they conceptualize this will be, oh, they notice the sensation, the knee pain, 
And then the thought is so quickly, I'm fat and disgusting. And I wouldn't feel this if I just lost weight. And that is, that is a thought process to be really careful of when you're blaming your body or your weight for certain things. Um, Whereas often what it is, is we're engaging in an activity that maybe we haven't engaged in in a while. This I know this is true for lots of us after COVID. You know, maybe you're starting to get out and go on walks again, um, or maybe you are starting to, uh, you know, go on a run again or whatever it is, weightlifting, whatever you may be reengaging in. Be careful not to blame your body and weight. It might be actually, I just need to practice this more. Um, I can build up fitness. Maybe there's exercises from my physio that I could do to strengthen um, parts of my body to decrease this pain. There's all of these things that we can do um, that have nothing to do with weight. And so that's a really important sort of thing to consider as well. Um, so I think overall, it's so important to, to just recognize the context and the thoughts about the exercise and about your body and taking a step back and thinking, is this actually true? Is this helpful? Is there a way I can address increasing my fitness or address this pain? that has nothing to do with weight. Um, I think too, something I was thinking about actually while I was hiking is when, when you're trying to heal the relationship you have with exercise or movement, I think it's helpful to think about what, what did you like when you were a child before body image issues set in? And I know that can be a loaded thing for people. Like I know some people have maybe might not have memory of ever enjoying exercise or body movement, or they might have memory of being ridiculed or criticized or bullied. Um, so I totally get that you might not actually have a memory of enjoying body movement, but it's worth checking in with yourself. Is there something that I did enjoy as a child pre uh, pre this link of exercise and having to, you know, this link between exercise and exercising and weight. Um, so things like riding the, riding your bike, or maybe it was going swimming or maybe it was, I don't know, uh, playing volleyball or softball or something like that. Um, and I think it's worth, asking yourself that because maybe there's room to re-engage with those activities when it feels like a healthy time for you to do so. Um, and I hope that makes sense. So really thinking like what body movement did I once upon a time enjoy and maybe thinking about revisiting that. But I think too, I don't want this conversation to pressure someone who's not ready to start exercising or to moving your body. Um, if you are still in the place, you know, I think Kim last, last episode talked about, she actually had to take a full long break from running 
um, before she could re-engage in it from a healthy place. And so I think that's totally okay. But I, th- I think these are just my thoughts. And like I said, my follow-up from my episode with Kim, um, I hope it's been helpful and, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on social media. Um, visit me on Instagram at Green Life Psychology, and I will see you at the next episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope today's episode has been helpful. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and take a second to give me a five-star review on iTunes. That really helps get this message out to other women who need it. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Green Life Psychology. You can click in the link in the Instagram bio to learn more about the Body and Food Freedom Project, my 16-week online program where I teach and facilitate sessions live. Have a great week and I'll see you at the next episode.